back. Legendary sickos. Legendary upside. Pat Green. Spike Week. Eric Bynfor. The playoffs are here with best ball. We're going to get into all the goodness. Our good teams, our bad teams, our good takes, our bad takes. What we're excited for this weekend and everything there in between. Let's do it. Pat, it's been a little while since we've been able to record one of these, but we had a lot of fun with them over the summer. The people seemed uh, uh, to enjoy. I'll toot our own horn. What might as well off the top? People love to hear you brag on yourself, especially within the first minute of the podcast. But I just this they really week, love it. Got I do. I just got a, a message from someone um, this week that specifically highlighted one of our episodes that we did this summer. That was like, I just want to say thank you guys so much. You changed how I viewed best ball. It improved my play. I advanced so many more teams, and I also feel like they're so much more live in the playoffs. And so, you know, uh, it's always nice, of course. How would that be? He advanced teams, so you must have had to sacrifice the playoffs to do that. I'm not sure if you're aware. You have to pick one or the other. Life is binary. There is no such thing. There is no such thing as nuance in this world. (laughs) This guy didn't get it at all. Yeah, you don't advance the teams. You only talk for like. Four hours an episode, and he clearly wasn't listening. If he didn't understand that you have to pick week seventeen, or 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 advancing, but the best ball playoffs are here, so a great time for us to come back together. And we're just gonna chop it up. We don't have a necessarily a set, you know, subject like we maybe did over the summer. Yeah, we were very. Uh, we always stuck exactly to subject, and <laughs> really? <laughs> really just tight, just tight shows all summer long for you. If you super, remember, super, super organized, super on track. Um, they were, they were great. Certainly no comments about, uh, marathon episodes or me saying, uh, uh, to wrap, uh, 45 minutes in and then us going for two and a half hours. But yeah, so if this is your first time listening, uh, maybe go back and listen to some of the episodes or just go see how long they were. Cause you'll get the reference, uh, from that. But first I just want to talk about like super high level, how you're feeling heading into the best ball playoffs. Because I think, uh, I, I think it's one of those things that I try to talk about like quite a bit at this point in time and throughout the course of the playoffs, because, you know, it's not like uh, people technically really care about how I feel, but I feel like there's so much out, right. It's like, it's like screenshot DFS where you can, it's so easy to see, Oh, like this guy's got a 25% advance rate. This guy drafted, you know, 50% Raheem Mostert, this guy like really crushed it, all these people. And it looks like, you know, this game is so easy. But really, you get to this point in the season. And like for me, I actually have a below average ad- advance rate despite a couple of really massive hits on player takes. But I have a lot of huge misses and I did take some bigger stands. And I like to just be like, like, here's how I'm feeling. Like, I, I hear some teams I'm interested in. Here's some things I'm excited about. Here's some things I wish I changed. Right. And just like general thoughts on how you're like the playoffs are here now. How are you feeling about? how everything you, you know, how you handled everything over the summer and then like how your teams are sitting right now. Yeah. I think there's a, there's some spots that I, that I feel really good about the way I drafted. There's some spots where um, I didn't make the right calls. I think there's some team level things that like, I didn't hammer the dolphins running backs as much as some other drafters did. I know Pete Overzet was really hammering that. And I was in on the general idea of like hammering these uncertain backfields, but I just, I got like a little bit overly cautious with the potential for them to trade for like Jonathan Taylor or bring in someone else. Cause I was like, really, they're going to stick with 
Mostert. I'm overweight Achan. That was I at least played it right there, but I just don't I just don't have enough Mostert. And I'm definitely kicking myself for that one. It's like Mike McDaniel's uncertain backfield. You weren't overweight. Like that's just a leak. So that that one is like a more micro, like I don't want to do that kind of crap again. I was in on Kyron, that like, and that was one that I signaled ahead of time. I was basically going to be looking for the Kyron, and then I was like, "All right, the Kyron's the Kyron," and I, I was in on him. Um, that was nice. I probably could have gone harder, but you know that. And by when I said I was looking for the Kyron, I I wrote an article talking about late round picks in best ball, and I was saying like, look. Now, it's kind of funny because some of the guys that I was saying I wasn't really going to be high on are looking like pretty sweet picks right now, like Ty Chandler, Chase Brown. Like if you just kind of did throw the dart throws early in the offseason, you probably landed on some good guys that you're happy to have. They didn't help you advance really, but they but you're psyched to have them in the playoffs. Yep. But Kyron obviously was the guy who, I mean, he's I'm literally going to name the walkthrough Kyron Williams week. So <laughs> he's, you know, he's set up really well for the playoffs, but he's also been a huge advance rate guy. And we got the information that the Rams valued him as their clear number two. He was behind a, a, a starter that was extremely, you know, I mean, he literally quit on the team last year before they traded him this year. So just kind of an obvious spot for like to bet on kind of the depth chart stuff. We had a lot of certainty there and it, it kind of kept. And my point was we're going to get information and then we want to like hammer that information. So that's one thing where I feel like I played it right. I probably should have been even bolder. To be like, this is the spot where I feel super confident. I know you you drafted a ton of Kyron because you were drafting like in the very last days nonstop. I was moving from Brooklyn to San Diego, so maybe uh, that also hurt my Kyron exposure a little bit because I didn't draft as much as I would have liked in those final days. Mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest misses for me from a macro standpoint was misidentifying where the the break was at wide receiver. Right, mm-hmm. I there was a Good tier one. break wide receiver right after Traylon Burks and Rashad Bateman. It was before them. It was yes. before them. We called it the Bateman line on like every episode of the whole summer. The wide receiver was the Bateman line. Little did we know. It was way before <laughs> Bateman was down in that crevice. You should right. have stopped before you found the bottom of uh, the right. of that. Uh, Stop uh, before ball. Bateman, not not after. And, yeah, and the then, line, of course, you get. The, the line was don't go to that line. Don't go not, to Bateman not get yeah. in before that yeah <laughs> right but but there was like jacoby myers was and i i was high on jacoby myers like he he's one high on my advancing teams as well as in my over overall portfolio um and so you know he was a guy that i felt like you know the profile was actually pretty good i was making exceptions for jacoby myers but i was still structuring my team to basically like get my wide receiver firepower in before uh, you know, Burks and Bateman were mm-hmm. gone. And, you know, obviously firepower is a strong word to use when, when those are, those are your guys. So that, that hurt Marvin Mims never fully breaking out hurt. Cause he was someone I hammered and I kind of feel like, like I'm going to do it again. Like if you let me get a Marvin Mims like that, I, I will hammer him again. I think, mm-hmm. you know, maybe Mims isn't as good as we were hoping earlier, probably not when he was just like setting the world on fire on s- super small routes. It never, developed but like that is the type of player that i'm gonna want to be overweight on because i think the high-end outcomes are really high and like this was one of the low-end outcomes and it's still like not that painful so um but you know it's not it's not ideal to have like my highest uh 
one of my highest exposure wide receivers be um, be Marvin Mims. But my highest exposure guys in the advancing teams are, I think, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. And I and I feel like from a macro situation or team level situation, I got the the 49ers right, which was big, right? Like getting huge. I was out on Lance. I was in on Purdy. I drafted them aggressively. Thank goodness. Cause because to me, like I had 26 teams advance out of Best Ball Mania. So that's like one basically dead even with um expectations. Um I had overall, I think I was a little under expectations when looking at my entire portfolio. And I, I kind of feel like you. I mean, I nailed some stuff. I also had, I mean, I hammered Anthony Richardson. You give me Anthony Richardson again, I will hammer him again. Yep. You give me Brees Hall again, I will hammer him again. I hope his ACL doesn't tear his Achilles. Eric Hall was probably kind of a, a wash, but he, I mean, he should have been someone that's like power in my portfolio and, and wasn't quite. Give me Jalen Warren again. I will hammer it again. I know people were like, I had a Steelers fan being like, they'll never turn it over to Warren. They're too stubborn. He was basically right, but he was, he's so, he's so good that they had to make it at least a split backfield and, and Warren hasn't hurt me. And I feel good about having Jalen Warren, but I feel like a lot of my big spots, like, some of my hits didn't quite hit the way I was hoping. Um, I didn't hammer the one that really hit and Hyron enough. Kyron enough. I missed Puka. Puka was another guy. I should have. That's that was a leak too. Rookie wide receiver who the team likes. You know, shallow depth chart. Kind of an Amon Ross situation again. And I yep. and I whiffed. <clears throat> I whiffed on it. So that those are probably the the Mostert one and the Puka one are the ones I feel worst about. Um, I like Bateman and Burks' prospect. It sucks they both busted in a way that like made my uh, my overall like team constructions worse. But right. like I'm probably gonna do that again in the next like three or four years. But <laughs> but the but the ones that sting the most I think are the Puka. Like I missed a rookie breakout in a somewhat obvious spot, and um, and the Moster where it's like it's Mike McDaniel's running back and it's a. You know, and I had Jeff Wilson and I had A chain, but I I was low most dirt, so that was stupid. Yeah, I think you outlined a lot of how I've been thinking about things in that like when you're saying I'd probably do that again, right? I'd probably do Marvin Mims again, I'd probably still do Bateman again. I feel like at this point, and of course over the winter heading into you know spring, summer when next year's drafts open up, the the biggest thing and most difficult thing at the same time is analyzing what you did in drafts, your player takes your structures, your, I think it's a, even more so than just player takes. I think it's like what you talked about with the bait, the Bateman line type of thing, mm-hmm. uh, understanding your assessment of the market, right. Where, and where, where mass your pool. breaks. Yeah. Understanding the player pool is just as important as do I think this player is a good pick or not probably way more so, but the most Difficult part that, but that I'm most focused on is what was I definitely wrong about from a process perspective and evaluation perspective? What did I just totally get wrong? And I don't mean just like I liked Bateman and he's actually not good, right? Or I liked Traylon Burks and he's actually not good because that's just, that's just, it is what it is. You're going to get some, some player things wrong. It doesn't change. He played out. Traylon Burks specifically. I, I'm not sold Bateman's awful. I, I might be sold Traylon, Traylon Burks is awful. I always uh, feel the uh, other way because I feel like Burks has dealt with some serious injuries and we just don't know, but Bateman yeah, to- has had more totally, of a chance. 
What I will say is also probably some recency bias that uh, someone shared in uh, the Spike Week Discord, which there's a link to. I'll also put a link to Pat's Discord uh, in the description of this video. Uh, that Bateman is has been like a truly elite separator, particularly down the field this year. And and it, it's funny because it jives with, you know, I'm sure just like you watch all the games, in particular watching the guys that you drafted a lot of, right? <laughs> and you're like, please, God, every single game is just like, please, God, Bateman, one touchdown. Like, I'm not asking for 25 points, dude. I'm asking for right. 11 or whatever. 11 would be and sick. It would be absolutely This week sick. especially would be nice. Yes. But I'm I'm watching and I'm like, he he is getting targeted down the field and he does seem to be kind of getting behind the defense a little bit. And, but I'm like, I don't have any, you know, who am I to say I'm very biased, like a very biased, obviously, because I want him to, to score a long touchdown. And some of the data came back and was basically like, he's actually separating down the field. Amazingly. What he's, what he's not doing is obviously connecting on any of those. And he's probably yeah. not something we do probably know. And I feel like this about Burks as well. They might not be awful, but they're probably not these down the field guys. You can just go throw it up to, right. uh, which is a very different skill. Right. And in particular, for Burks, they have one of those guys in DeAndre Hopkins. And so it's like, if I got single coverage on each side, who's Will Levis going to chuck the ball to? Well, nuke. He's not going to throw, he's not going to throw it to Burks. There's also, I think there's an element of this that's, because I, I know the, the chart you're referring to, and I had, I had pulled it up, um, and I actually wrote about this in the walkthrough a few weeks ago, of like, separation is a piece of the puzzle, but I really like ESPN's open score, yeah. which is available for free, ESPN analytics uh, slash RTM. You can check out all out there, but uh, I think it's really cool because they look at more than just separation. Um, they're able to use the player tracking data to like look at things like like they can tell like which direction the defensive back is facing, right? So like they also can tell the speed of the wide receiver versus the speed of the defender. Mm -hmm. So like Hopkins, because like contested catches are not the way we want to be getting there, you know. And like the guys who like right. we don't want George the Parker. Yeah, right. yeah. Pickens. Yeah, so like if you can't get any separation, actually, I think Pickens has improved a bit. So I, I think Parker's kind of the guy. Like he's that's like you truly he cannot get open. Like he's horrible yeah. in open score. Uh, gets no separation. You know, if you look at any of those types of metrics, Parker's going to be like dead last in both. Like he's not doing. Like he's just bodied <laughs> by the defender correctly. But but Hopkins might have the guy next to him, but like he's not usually in position to make a play on the ball the way Hopkins is. So, you know, maybe that means Hopkins, you know, you'd think it would mean he wouldn't age all that gracefully since he can't separate that well, but he's aging pretty gracefully. So I don't know. But the, um, but separation isn't everything. And Bateman that actually not great in open score. Um, he's not terrible, but he's wide receiver and tight end 60. Um, he's near like Devontae Smith and T Higgins and Rasheed Rice. Uh, so he's not bad, but it's just, I, I guess I'm also, also skeptical that he's like, I'm skeptical of those separation numbers telling the whole story. Cause they, cause I know uh, they don't tell the whole story on really good wide receivers. A hundred percent. And what I would caveat is that they definitely, it, it is like you said, one piece and a small piece of the puzzle. I always go back to Devonte Adams 
is the best wide receiver in the NFL because he's the perfect encapsulation of all of this and all of that nuance. Like you said, sometimes, guess what? Devontae Adams isn't open. But when he is covered, he's still open because he can do the contested catch. Of course, when him and Rodgers were on the same team, it was much easier because they had a goddamn mind meld and Rodgers the most accurate quarterback of all time. Unbelievable. Um, But he also, you can't press him. Cause he's going to, he's going to just, it, it doesn't matter who the corner is, right? Jalen Ramsey, pick, pick your, your favorite corner in the NFL. You can't press him and he gets separation immediately. He gets separation down the field. And then even when he doesn't, because even the best wide receivers don't always get separation, right? When he doesn't, he's still open because he can do the thing. Like you mentioned with, with Hopkins, he's so good at the little body positioning. And frankly, all the best guys, Nuke is very good at this. Mike Evans is very good at this. Good yeah, at pushing Mike off. Really good, yeah good at pushing off, gaining leverage without getting called for, for OPI, right? Um, and so they do all of that. Bateman, to me, is the perfect encapsulation of, like, he feels like MVS to me, where I think in a, I think the separ- what the separation stuff is telling me is down the field, okay, I, I think, you know, things maybe just haven't worked out between him and Lamar connection. I mean, it just happened this week. He was wide. He was like 10 yards behind the DB, mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. exaggeration, five yards behind the DB and Lamar underthrew him. And then he's not good enough to come back and make the play still when the ball is underthrown. That's MVS. You, he might be able to get behind the defense, but you better throw a good ball <laughs> and he still might drop it. But that, that that's like Rashad Bateman. And so that is all us getting into the to the nuts and bolts but this is one outcome that happened for Rashad Bateman and that happened for for Traylon Burks it's easy to say I should have seen it right I should have seen it he wasn't good he, he hasn't popped off before but also in particular with these guys like you said we like them as prospects there is not much target competition in those offenses, right? There was absolutely reason to believe a young player with a good prospect profile had like some production. It wasn't like neither of them, you know, they weren't JJ Arcega Whiteside or whatever, you know, they, it's not like they yeah. did nothing. Yeah. So there was reason to believe in good, good offenses in the Ravens example, maybe functional offenses in the Titans example that they could take a step and be good. And I, I don't really feel bad about those bets. Like you said, if we get another second or third year wide receiver in the eighth round next year on a potentially good offense, like I, I'm not going to shy away from that because I whiffed on Rashad Bateman, but I also want to take the lessons like you mentioned with the dolphins. And I did the same thing. I'm like, I'm, I'm not completely uncomfortable with my exposure to those guys, but I'm disappointed in myself because it's a situation, right? I didn't draft zero of them and I'm not underweight really any of those guys, but it, that's a situation, especially with the way that I play where I very, I take big stands. I'm very comfortable losing it all, having a low advance rate or whatever. Those are specifically the examples that I should be targeting and I should be hammering all three of them. Like you mentioned, yeah, it's uncertain, high upside. I love the dolphins. And like our buddy saw it, so it also yeah. makes it more it, it disappointing. Wasn't, it wasn't like I got distracted by somebody who didn't write somebody I really trust who maybe had me thinking something differently. I have no one to blame but myself. No, I'm it that abs- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Probably cost my friends more. Most, <laughs> <laughs> But you know what I mean? I think the difference between hammering Rashad Bateman and hammering Traylon Burks and missing on the yeah, Dolphins' backfield sure. are two very different lessons, and I'm trying to make sure I'm taking the right 
lessons. Like you mentioned the, the Chiron thing and flipping it to the good. We got plenty of bad because I got plenty of bad things I did over the summer. But the Chiron one was like, I, I, I screwed up with the Dolphins thing and I finally learned my lesson. Like this is everything we dreamed about in best ball. You get a guy who was undrafted for most of the summer, completely undrafted. We, because of the lack of information, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying we shouldn't, we should have been drafting him in, in April or, or May. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying once we got the information that you, you outlined, right. And we have Cam Akers as the guy in, in front of him. We have the Rams who are a fantasy goldmine for running backs, absolute goldmine. And then we, like you said, we, we get the inform we get the information and he is, it's not just we got information like, oh, maybe this guy's a good pick. No, we got information that this guy was like 10 rounds undervalued. Like maybe a slight ex exaggeration, but we're taking committee backs in uncertain situations, right? Antonio Gibson, before the show, we were talking about, I'm scrolling my team's free Antonio Gibson. Why was Antonio Gibson a 10th round pick and Kyron uh, a 20th round pick? There's yeah, really He was Kenneth Gainwell, but in the 20th round instead of the 12th. Right, exactly. And so I processed all of that like you said late later in the summer i just so happened to get very lucky that like i had a lot of drafters and DraftKings drafts still to do so i i didn't have a ton on underdog of kyron but i said this is like this is like generational wealth opportunity like <laughs> like i don't i don't know that kyron's gonna be anything but my like if i if i didn't adjust for adp in my rankings he'd be in like the top 100 and he's going in the last round of drafts so i basically just took him in every draft on drafters and DraftKings down the stretch, I would reach for him up, you know, up in the whatever. I want to get unique combos. I finally got a little bit of Puka, nowhere near enough, but I did a little bit of Puka at the end. And I was just like, I'm just going to take these Rams like in my last three rounds. So if I got to pull Kyron up, give me Puka 2 2 and, and Kyron at the end. And just who cares about ADP? Cause I want to get these guys. And I feel like I did that. That was like the the best thing I did all summer and I processed the whole situation appropriately and I just hammered it. If Kyron got hurt. Guess what? <laughs> It'd be a very bad year for me. Very, very bad. But that's the risks but, you take when you spot an edge to do it. And I feel comfortable with the way I processed it. Yeah. And I feel like I nailed the Anthony Richardson thing. Like Anthony Richardson was an awesome pick. He like, I, I had, I have a big old bag of big board Anthony Richardson where I was just like, I have like 60 what a something smash percent of him. in the big board. I mean, absolutely home round. run home run. Yeah. Like it didn't work out, but like that's, that goes down in the wind column. Like, I, I mean, cause that's, you know, the, the process over results idea, like if you're trying to evaluate your own play, like, you know, and you could say like, Oh, Anthony Richardson was going to get hurt because he runs. Well, like, Half the half the league is out, guys. We <laughs> lost half the league. Also, so if you look I'm, at the I'm list, not that, I'm not compelled by that. It's not more runners. It's that's a I'll I will go to my goddamn grave that that whole thing is a myth. Can runners get hurt? Uh, uh, of course, of course Absolutely. they can. Of course they can. Of course they can. They're naturally going to take more hits in the open field. But guess what? They take less hits of where it really can be catastrophic when when you get hit. When the pocket collapses and you have no ability to get out of there, it gets bad, dude. There yeah. are four or five, six, 300 pound men who are very, very strong and your own offensive lineman collapsing in down on you and falling on top of your legs or hitting you in the head or whatever. Like if you are able to get out of there, like look at Kyler. Yeah, he blew out his knee in the open field, but he never gets hit ever, never gets hit because he has the ability to avoid avoid the rush. So anyway, just that 
pet peeve of mine. I'm going to my grave with the whole myth of the running quarterbacks getting hurt more. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, and I think the on the Bateman one, I feel kind of of two minds about it. One, like if you just the Burks one's cleaner because Burks sprained his knee and I stopped drafting him as much for sure, but I still drafted him some and I probably I probably should have just stopped drafting him. I think that's one of the ones and Bateman, you know, kind of had the foot thing and I was like, ah, it doesn't seem like a big deal. Like he's he should be fine. But like he missed he missed an entire training camp with a new offensive coordinator. And I think that clearly didn't help. Maybe he just stinks and that's that's enough, but it didn't help. So um, I think taking those, it's like, okay, these are already kind of, I wouldn't say long shots, but they're wide receivers that have some red flags. They're not cheap. They're still in the single digit rounds. They're upside bets. So you're willing to take on some risk, but the risk is starting to pile up. And I think there's a thing where if I like a guy and it's like, Hey, here's another added piece of risk. And we're like, yeah, I know he's risky, dude. Shut up. But it's like, no, no, no he's riskier. He's yeah. riskier. If that matters that he's riskier than he was before. And I can kind of hand wave that sometimes. So I think I did that with Bateman and Burks, but I also think with Bateman, when I go back and I look and I kind of evaluate the way I played it, the, the way I screw up the Bateman thing is if I only played it through Bateman, mm, but I have no. a bunch of Andrews. Okay. Now that didn't work out, but I mean, I feel, I feel okay about that. I mean, at one point he looked like one of the best picks you could have made because the second and third round was so gross. Um, the, I have a bunch of JK Dobbins also a disaster. Feel pretty great about that. I think he was yeah. actually an awesome pick. Uh, I have Zay Flowers. I'm not like super overweight Zay Flowers, but I didn't I didn't fade Zay Flowers, and he's not a prospect I like. So, but I feel okay. Like okay, you got at least at least you're willing to like be even with the field on this guy you didn't really like because you liked the Ravens. It's like I like the Ravens. I'm gonna draft Bateman because I like the Ravens and I like the prospect. But I'm also gonna mix in this rookie who might pass him. I'm also going to hedge a little bit with Odo Beckham, which I did. Yep. Yep. I was kind of one of the guys, you know, when we're doing these best ball breakfast drafts with Pete, like I was more like, if we don't have Bateman, we should take OBJ. I know it's gross, but let's do it. Right? I didn't do that a lot. He was not a target for me, but it, but I wasn't close-minded to that. So that's where I like review like, and I feel okay about it. I feel mm -hmm. okay. The foot thing, I should have, I should have factored that in a little bit more, but I mean, you're not going to be perfect and, you know, and I'll try to, try to be more cognizant of that next year with guys that I like that are nursing injuries and especially in new situations um, or with like changing teammates and stuff. I think that's, that's something to keep to be mindful of, but the rest of the, the way I played it, you know, I made a, I made a logical coherent bet on the Ravens as part of my portfolio this year. And I, li I like that. I did that. Mm -hmm. Didn't work out as well as I would have hoped. A lot of the key pieces got hurt or, you know, it sucked. <laughs> but I think it was a. I think it, like when I review that, I'm like, all right, good. That that was that was a good way to play this. That's exactly how I, the the. I don't really have that much to add. The the Ravens were <clears throat> outside of I guess probably Commanders. The Ravens were my biggest bet. Those were easily my two biggest bets from a team perspective, and it, they're they're fun. It's funny in that they're they both panned out similarly. Um, but also very, very different. The Ravens, I feel like, were a huge hit. I think that has proven to be true, despite the fact that their starting running back didn't even play a half 
of a game. Mm -hmm. And despite the fact that Mark Andrews missed week one and then, you know, broke his ankle or leg or whatever it was uh, later. Uh, and, and like you said, Rashad Bateman was a whiff, but the whole, the, the entire bet was about, yeah, uh, I want the Ravens. And like you said, I feel the same. I, I did the same thing as you with Odell. Um, it made me sick, kind of sick to my, sick to my stomach. Cause that is not the type of player I like, but I think that is when I go back and look, I say, you have your biases and it, it it's not even just, I mean, it's definitely a, a bias by definition, but it, it doesn't mean it's bad to prefer younger players and to dislike old yeah, players. Yeah, you, you kind of, if you're drafting like kind of archetype based, yes. then you sort of are going to be biased against certain players, but that's like but kind of the point. Be willing to, to understand that that archetype preference is not the whole story. And yes. It's not the whole, it can be the whole story in terms of like how you, how you want those guys to look in your portfolio. I did not want Odell to be higher owned than all the other Ravens. Like I, that would have been a mistake in my opinion, but I didn't want to be like, nope, I'm going to draft every single Raven except Odell Beckham. Like right. I, that's, I think that's how I felt too. Yeah. I think that would have been the the mistake. And so, like you said, same thing. It it looks bad now when J.K. Dobbins is on all these adv- advancing teams. It feels bad, but I would do it again. Same thing. Like I would. I I believed firmly that J.K. Dobbins was the best pick, like pound for pound. You know, point per dollar, whatever the hell you want to metric you would like to use uh, in in all of the drafts. And he kept getting cheaper. Like if the market if the market had agreed with me and he skyrocketed up, maybe my exposure would be a little lighter. But he kept getting cheaper, and so I was just like. I'm going to take this opportunity to take this stand and it didn't work. And I'm, but I'm okay with that. Right. And that's one that I'm okay with, but it's finding the ones it's making sure that you process that. Like we just talked about and you're like, I'm okay with what I did there. It sucks. I lost money. Right. But like, like if, like if in DFS, if you play a guy who gets hurt, you're very willing to just be like, I ran bad. I got, I got unlucky, but kind of when it happens, or even in the Bateman example, when he doesn't pan out and maybe he stinks in best ball, I find people are, they always want to draw a conclusion to make a different decision in the future. And a lot of the times, actually, it's like, he was still a fine bet. Maybe should you have tweaked it a little bit? That's great. That's a great analysis that you gave on like, okay, he, he maybe became a lot riskier. How do I put that into my portfolio? But like, that doesn't change should you have drafted a bunch of him in May in the ninth or 10th yeah. round, you know? And so, but that's the thing that I, I'm trying to assess the most right now. And it's hard. I mean, it's, it's hard because a, you want to beat yourself up for your mistakes, but also you want to hold on to, I think I was right about this when really, you know, you got to find that, that middle ground where the answers are. Yeah, for sure. And I think you, you, you do want to draw conclusions. I think there's something about the, it being a season that we live through, you know, it's so long. It's like half a year of our lives instead of one week. And so things become um, like, like we start to feel like this was, this was destined. Things start to feel destined in a way that they don't in a single week slate part. Cause we don't ever like what happened in week three. Do you remember? I don't like, what was the week three thing that like, you felt that way for like two days of like, I should have known this, but then oh, you Cole don't. Turner, Cole Turner got to play in week three. I only know that because I uh, have been scouring my useless Cole Turner teams, but week three with Logan Thomas is out. There you go. There's my right. week three memory. That's how did you guys not know? I... How did you not yeah. know that Cole Turner Imagine was not play knowing that Cole Turner had a 25% target share in week three? 
you, you donkeys. <laughs> so like we don't live with that. We we wipe it from our brains and we move on. But with the season long stuff, you sit with it. Then it happens, you know, like it builds on itself and builds on itself. And it's like, well, obviously this was the way this had to play out. And I think especially with some of the injury stuff, with some of like the banged up guys who kind of have disappointing seasons, guys playing through injuries, like that kind of stuff. Like this is not the way it had to go. Guys who's with quarterbacks who got hurt that tanked their seasons. Like this was not set in stone. Um, we, we live in one version of what could have happened. So I think, you know, it's just, I think our brains are going to, are more likely to sort of play tricks on us in, in the way of feeling like it had to happen this way than, um, than, you know, I mean, unless you're just like a mega take lock type of type of person, but I think in general, it's okay to be like, yeah, I, I'm going to play the Marvin Mims again. Like I'm the Marvin Mims card is one I will be playing like that. That's a one. That's a, that's one I like. It didn't really work. Um, but like the Broncos were functional, you know, it was like a cheap bet on the Broncos bouncing back a little bit. That, more or less worked out. Judy kind of, I didn't like Judy as a pick. I, I got kind of bullied onto him a little bit because he was like generally liked by, by drafters that, that I respect. And that didn't really, that didn't work, but you know, um, that didn't really mean Marvin Mims broke out either. So that's, right. that's disappointing. <clears throat> but if the Mims bets like sort of a bet against Sutton and Judy, who I wasn't super high on um, betting on the Broncos to bounce back a little bit under Sean Payton, like, Check and check. Like he's not quite as good or not trusted right Tim, now. Tim Patrick got hurt. It's a, I mean, the runway was there. Yeah, it was there. It just didn't really hit. But like, I'm going to make it again, dude. I'm going to make that bet again. So, yeah, I think some of those are, it's fine. It's good. It's probably good to have spots like that. You definitely don't want to like conflate things you, you know, lessons learned with like, nope, everything I did was fine. <laughs> but but, but, but yeah. that's the thing right is like figuring out where that middle ground is like because you want to take lessons you want to improve your play you want to see what you did wrong and try to spot it you know and because the difficult part is it's not like we get to redraft this year all over again and say oh i screwed up right. Bateman and burks now i'm gonna next next year i'm gonna fade them <laughs> next like, 2023 i won't yeah yeah right yeah. you know so you're you're trying that's the most difficult part is, of course, figuring out if you were right or if you were wrong or, you know, the nuance. It's generally not that binary, but then it's not even just figuring out even those lessons, right? The Dolphins lesson, because guess what? We don't get a Dolphins lesson. Like there is no Dolphins. There's next no, year because, there's, yeah, exactly. Because this year happened, right? So now guess who's not going to be, you know, you're not getting 15th round. Devin you might get the Dolphins whatever. one again, though, because they're going to bring in like another dust ball and then a chance like is not going to stay healthy or we might 100%. actually get the dolphins again. Yeah. A hundred percent. People will talk themselves into something with the, 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 this year it was Tua couldn't stay healthy. Right. Because of the, right, the right. concussion stuff. Um, we always come up with fun reasons to, God, uh, uh, two is the only healthy quarterback in the league. Literally the, <laughs> this is such the, a weird single, the single most divisive quarterback all summer in terms of will he stay healthy was to a tuck of <laughs> and he's the and it's only him and guy Dak in that in that range basically they're only and, two and, survivors and just not that long ago Dak's freaking leg was dangling you know he had his leg up in right. the air and it was oh, dangling God. like like this um and Dak was bad remember Dak threw too many interceptions Dak wasn't very good turns out 
pretty good. Pretty good at football. Well, um, Mike McCarthy wasn't calling the plays then. He's, he's well, clearly the, the clearly. sharpest he, man in the he, league. He, he, uh, he un- what he un- season is this? What happened? <laughs> Adam Thielen bounced back and he turned back into a pumpkin. Mike, Mike McCarthy is, is a genius. Brandon Staley, the analytics analytics guru just got fired this morning as of the, as of the time that we're recording this, like the whole, he hadn't been guruing in a long time. time. That guy, Um, he'd retired from his, the word capitulation was the, the, the key, one of the keywords catchphrases of the whole summer. You want to talk about capitulation. Brandon yeah. Staley is King capitulator. He came in and he was awesome. And he, a couple of fourth downs went wrong. He got roasted by skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith and Rex Ryan and shit. And he was like, Nope, done with that. And we saw how that, how that uh, worked out. I'll, go ahead. If you have some. Well, I, I think th- it just reminded me of the, the Adam Thielen pumpkin thing reminded me, you know, because that's kind of an archetype one. And that was like one of my biggest misses for a while. And then notice I didn't bring him up as one that I'm like kicking myself on. Go, oh, no, I don't have the aging slot receiver on the worst passing offense in the league. <laughs> I think we, we survived it, guys. Um, but the, <laughs> by the way, Jonathan Mingo's like, we talked about open score. He's like the worst open score in the league. And they keep beating him targets because they're it's just amazing. like, don't fire us, Tepper. Your picks are good. The only, the problem is nobody gets open on that offense. You have to throw it to some like Bryce has to throw it to somebody. I, I, Bryce right. sucks. I, I want to get that out of the way. It's just kind of like the sucks, Brandon. Yeah. It's kind of like the Brandon Staley thing. Brandon Staley sucks. I want to caveat it with that, right? Like, but X Y Z. Bryce Young sucks. I believe he sucks. I didn't think I was not a believer. I hardly drafted him at all. I'm generally not going to draft five seven quarterbacks who also don't run, but. Like I, I feel a little bad for him, honestly. Like the line was supposed to be good, it's terrible. Um, they don't have a single guy who can get open. Adam Thielen was like, you know, okay. I know he was putting up huge numbers, but it wasn't like he was peak Devonte Adams out there for the first half. They just didn't have. Well, it's also else. He, he was getting open, but it's like where? Yeah, you know, it's, right. Reading it's, the it's defense, kind of reading stuff. Reading a zone defense or reading a you know right. an option route or something is very much different than than you know uh, the types of ways Tyreek Hill gets open or or mm-hmm. whatever they're a exactly. li- li- little bit different. But I just wanted to say I, I've I've dunked on Bryce and definitely the Panthers a lot. But I do watching the games because I have so much Chuba. Uh, I, I I do feel a little bit bad for him because those pass catchers are absolutely atrocious. They are. I, I but Mingo's a guy I'm gonna make bets on again. Um, not specifically Mingo because he stinks, but guys like Mingo, you know. And I actually think betting on Mingo is like one of those things where I feel like it's an improvement in my play. Where like I didn't think Mingo was that great of a prospect, but he was a second round pick. They're gonna try to get him on the field, they're gonna try to get him involved. Reports out of training camp was that he was gonna have a big role. He has had a big role, he's very bad. The offense sucks. But, like, we didn't know the offense was going to suck. C.J. Stroud was one of the league winners, and all of his pass catchers were individually league winners because we didn't know that the offense was going to suck. It was awesome. The Texans were terrible last year. They were they were really fun when, you know, everyone was healthy. So I just – I think that's, like, actually a bet. The Jonathan Mingo – you know, I probably took, like, too much Mingo and maybe not – like, I should have hedged a little more with Thielen, but, like, whatever, fine. You know, I, I didn't, like, nail it. Um, in terms of the the exposures, probably, but just generally, like being in on Jonathan Mingo, I'm like, yeah, I like the I, I like that I was in on a prospect, who I didn't think was good, didn't actually turn out to be good, but got a bunch of opportunity. And honestly, Jonathan Mingo could go 
five for 80 and a touchdown one of these weeks. Jonathan Mingo okay. could like kind of matter. Um, you know, especially if it's a week 17 that he does that. Like he's he's someone that you're like not disappointed to have on your team. And the 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 kind of larger point that he reminded me of is that I think I'm probably gonna write about this, but I think one of the biggest differences between maybe like traditional fantasy football or like a traditional fantasy football mindset anyway versus um versus best ball is that I actually I'm starting to feel like rookies are more powerful than second year breakout bets. And then we actually because the and the reason being that like you busts aren't even like a problem. Like Ty, you know, Tyquan Thornton was on my team that won uh Best Ball Mania three. He stinks. He absolutely stinks. Jonathan Mingo could win someone three million dollars this year, and he sucks. Because he's gonna because he's gonna be out there. Mm-hmm. And next year, will Jonathan Mingo be on the field and being fed targets in week 17? Probably not, because because he sucks. And like I went back to the well on Alec Pierce and was kind of like, I mean, because I drafted a ton of Anthony Richardson, that's partly why. But it's like, hey, what if you know he breaks out in his second season? It's like, actually, dude, and I took I took Josh Downs. It was not Alan Josh Downs, but actually I should have been hammering Josh Downs. Because he's the guy that hasn't put anything bad out there. And it's always possible you get like a DJ Shark second year breakout. You know, that that's like kind of an enticing comp when you're thinking through like, especially because like Pierce is a similar archetype, you know. But it's the downs play that is the better of the two as long as, you know, he's looking like he's going to have a role. The team seems to like him because he didn't have a ton of draft capital behind him, third round pick. But those things were in place. And you're already betting on the team. It's those rookies down the stretch that are more likely to get out there on the field, even if they suck. I love that. That's such that that that's so true because it is um, a way to win twice, right? That's I, I, we're constantly talked all summer about all these different ways that we can set ourselves up for the playoffs and the micro edges and the micro levers. And ultimately what we're trying to do is give ourselves the best opportunity to get lucky, right? If you go, if you take the Twitter this past week, you probably saw a bunch of curmudgeons, a bunch of guys who don't, maybe don't love best ball uh, or they're just dicks. And they're out there being like, Oh yeah, best ball is all about, did your guys stay healthy? And you know, do you get lucky in week 17 to have the guy who scores four touchdowns or whatever? And it's like, Yes, obviously. Welcome to any sorts of gambling or sports speculation. The whole point is to try to put yourself in a place, especially in a peer-to-peer game like best ball or or DFS, poker, whatever. Put yourself in a position against your peers to get lucky. And then in best ball specifically, DFS is the same, but with super heavy, top-heavy structures, right, and all that kind of stuff. Like, I want to win the whole thing. I don't want to just, like, do okay when I get lucky. So when I'm setting myself up to get lucky, and then when I get lucky, I want to get, like, Pat Corain lucky, (laughs) right? Like, I want to get – I want to win the whole fucking thing. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I'm sure that you would. I I, want to get so lucky that I finish first or, you know, I finish very, very near the top. So – Having a guy com- comparing the two is such a good ex- the second year versus the rookie. The second year guy who maybe didn't perform 
in year one. I need to get lucky that that was a fluke, which it could be. Like that, that's a coin flip. Like that's fine. That's a totally fine. And he was on the field a lot. Yeah. You know, I knew he was going to have a role. Like I'm like, I'm getting routes. Here's the Al Pierce bull case, right? I'm getting routes. And he had draft capital behind him. He's athletic. And he wasn't terrible. That's the whole case. Right. Exactly. So your whole case is this guy who wasn't terrible and is probably going to play a lot takes a step and yeah. still plays and still plays a lot. Yes. And that I'm not saying in a vacuum that that's a bad bet. I make those and we're going to talk plenty for again for the next nine months. And there are going to be some of those bets we, we do make. It's not to say ignore second year breakouts, but it is to say when I'm prioritizing those different things, the second year breakout needs to, I have one route to getting lucky essentially. It's that his role state for Alec Pierce example, his, his role in terms of playing time and routes remains the same and he gets better because he has to, he has to get better. He can't be this level of better, player. Yeah. He has to get better. The rookie. I can get lucky in a couple different ways. A, he could just be good. He can be Amon Ross St. Brown. He can be Odell Beckham. He can be Justin Jefferson, Puka whatever. Pick Puka. He can be that guy. And he's just a stud from, from day one. But even if he's not, like you said, they're not the, the teams generally don't. Nothing is ever a hundred percent. Generally, don't just sit the rookie down, especially with any form of cap draft capital. Right, seventh round pick is different than top two, three round pick. But they don't just sit him down and say, "Yeah, we're going to play this journeyman street free agent over you who also stinks because you stink." They're just going to say, "Uh." Rookie, go out there, go out. Th they're all they're incentivized for him to get more playing time and get better. And they're incentivized for their jobs for this guy right. to be good because they need to be proven that they made the correct decision drafting this guy. And so then you have all the other factors, right? Natural attrition around other players. If you get lucky that he's healthy, his teammates may not be. You drive more volume. That's somewhat what happened to Amon Ra. Now he was a you got all kinds of lucky with him because yeah, he's, he's a stud and everybody else got hurt or, or traded, but that's the fucking point. That's the whole point is when I get, how, how easy is it for me to get lucky, right? How many paths do I have to getting lucky? And then when I get lucky, what does that look like? And the rookies that they might both right, Alec Pierce and Jonathan Mingo may, or Josh Downs may both, the the if they get lucky what does it look like maybe similar but the amount of chances they have you have to get lucky with them are drastically different and i don't think we ever like i didn't but i don't think the market takes that into account to to your point about the rookies yeah i think you now am i talking about quentin johnston and jordan addison and jack smith the jig but not really that's not really what i mean i mean i'm certainly down to i took a ton of jackson smith and jigba please god i didn't take please. a ton of just one yeah. game. Please, Just one. God. Yeah, please. I will. I, will I advanced running. a bunch of him too. So Me too. He's be... on like every goddamn team. Yeah. Come on, man. Hey, it's the Eagles pass funnel. That'd be fun. Please. Please, God. Gino's um, back. Gino, yeah. Let's go. Uh, wow. I'm, I'm kind of into this now. Thank, thank God I drafted him. Talking um, ourselves into another three for 41. <laughs> Woo. I'll take it. Honestly, I'll take it. Give it to I'll sign up. Where do I sign? Um, Quentin Johnston. You know, I didn't take that much of, but it's mostly because I was like, got to take Bateman here. Uh, so that didn't help. But um, but like those guys, I think, are sort of a different conversation. 
and and I think maybe kind of an interesting one in its own right. But I'm talking about more like the very end of the draft, where um, or at least the double digits, kind of in the Jonathan Mingo, because Mingo never got expensive. I thought maybe he would, but he never did. He was always kind of in that kind of twelfth round range, where the opportunity cost was is definitely like a lot lower than in the eighth round. Um, but you know, like your Josh Downs's, your Puka Nakua's, um, your Tank Dells, like those are some of the biggest hits uh, that we have, right? Especially Dell and and Puka. I mean, those were some of the best picks you could have made in the, in the entire draft, and they're both like moderate draft capital wide receivers with you know landing on depth charts that were fairly uncertain with um you know coaching staffs that probably for different reasons but probably like want to see like what they've got in these guys like yeah you know McVay's they're kind of like in a little bit of a reset year they probably want to see what this you know fourth fifth round pick has um and you know the totally new coaching staff with the Texans so it's like it just it made sense for them to be checking out the rookies. We got good reports about these guys early on that they were going to get playing time. And so like, yeah, those guys turned out to be like elite wide receivers, like right away, which is awesome. But even if they weren't like, we would probably be seeing them on the field right now, you know, like Tutu Atwell just suffered a concussion. There's a world where Puka Nakua like kind of sucks and had a really good game last week. And it's yeah. set up for a good game this week because Demarcus Robinson just got like 10 targets. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Like, that's there's a world with like bad Nakua um, where, where actually you're psyched to have him still on an advancing team. And, you know, I think, you know, obviously Dell, you know, bad Dell is maybe, you know, didn't play enough to, to get hurt and is now going out there. Of course, he's with Davis Mills. So, so you're, you're, you're shit out of luck with bad Dell. Sorry about that. But, uh, but I think it can, I think it can work in in a couple different ways, as you said. And we're because here's the other thing, right? What's this week going to be for people? Pain. You're going to lose. You're going to go from like you had, you advanced. Um, you had an awesome year, okay? You advanced 35 teams. Um, if you get two through, like that's. That's About like, expectation. That's ex, that's expectation. Thirty-two. Te- so yeah, I should have just done thirty-two for the simple math. But it's one out of sixteen. So if you get two through, you hit expectations. So 30, 30 of your thirty-two teams get wiped out in one week. And congratulations, that was what was supposed to happen. You didn't. You didn't have a bad week. You're so lucky. You didn't have a bad week. Great. You know, or you have an amazing week. Amazing week. You get three in. <laughs> That's still kind of sucks. So you're going to, that's what's going to happen. And then, then the following week, you're just like praying that one of your, like, I mean, if you crush it, it might be like six, you know, six teams. You're praying that one of your six teams finishes first out of 16, which isn't likely, right? That's, you're a huge dog. Huge dog. You're not. Gonna even most likely you won't even have a coin flip chance to advance a team to the final when you're looking at your week 16 in best ball in best ball mania. I'm talking about you yeah. like because you would need eight teams. Are you gonna have eight semifinal teams? You're not. Maybe maybe like one person listening to this will, but like right. you're not. God That's, knows I won't. 
Yeah, I, I, I won't either. It's it's not how the the advance the advance rates work. So, you know, I think the I mean that's sort of the other part of it is like we still don't like even know how to like assess who matters yet because like what people do in these next couple weeks is going to be so impactful. And so just like the slight boosting of the chances that the guy is playing now versus he played earlier and wasn't very good and they kind of changed up the depth chart, which you're more likely to see with veterans, I think is just like way more important than I even like. And I wrote about how important rookies are and stuff. I've been, you know, in on the, but I think it's like just even, I think it's more important than I even realized. Like as I'm sitting here this week, it's like, man, just give me, and like, does that mean I would have more Dell on my teams? Like, I would, yeah, I wish I had more Dell on my teams. I'd feel like I was sharper. <laughs> it wouldn't have worked, but you know, what you said, I think that's the way to play it. All, all it brought me to, I was literally going to say, I was going to use this one v one this this comparison because, uh, as someone who uh, shat on Adam Thielen all all summer, which of course you can relate, we 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 did it plenty, and he dunked on us for whatever six weeks, four weeks. Uh, to start the season still get people commenting on current YouTube videos being like you donkey. Like how could you think that Adam Thielen wasn't the wide receiver one for the Panthers and wasn't way too cheap, blah, 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 blah. And then you'll get when you push back and you say, well, he had these absolute ceiling outcome to start the season and is still somehow proving the point of what we were saying with not drafting him because now you flip over the cards and you have a bunch of Adam Thielen teams. You're not even excited. You don't even no. care about having him on teams because he's not a difference maker. He projects like shit and the offense stinks and, and all, all the above versus uh, are actually, you know, people, the, the pushback, which I understand people will say, yeah, but he helped me get more teams through. And I will say fair, totally fair. You know who else did tank Dell. To your point, Tank Dell did the same and a lot more than what Adam Thielen did to help you push teams through. He has had more usable weeks, just as many spike weeks as Adam Thielen has. He, the only reason you're not, if you had advanced Tank Dell to the playoffs and he had not gotten hurt, you would be foaming at the mouth excited about having Tank Dell in the 17th round or whatever on best ball teams and compare having Tank Dell right now, a healthy Tank Dell, again, assume CJ Stroud, right? Whatever. But if shit, even with, I would still, with Davis Mills, I think I'd rather have Tank Dell than Adam Thielen. But would you rather have Adam Thielen helped you push teams through and so did Tank Dell? One of them had a chance to be an absolute smash league winner late round pick in the playoffs. The other one has turned out to be stone dust. And I say this and maybe he'll have a good game. This maybe week he'll go even. off now. Yeah. But point being like, go look at the projections. It's not me. I'm not making them up. I don't, cre- I, I don't create our projections. The uh, a tank Dell would project better this week. Well, Puka, I mean, Thielen. I'm so annoyed that I don't have a big bag of Puka because right, Puka. he's, he's one of the clear guys here. And I mean, he, um, I mean, yeah, he's, he projects awesome. Like he's, it's like, like I was like, God, I don't. Top I mean, I guess I think 15. Cooper Cup's slightly better, but you know, it's not. It's like he's actually has the stronger season on profile and not playing through an injury. So, you know, at, at Puka Nakua, if he, the, one of the again, 
God, I wish I drafted more Puka Nakua because he actually feels like a guy that could straight up like lock people out. Like yes. you might have to have Puka Nakua, which is kind of crazy in as chaotic as a season as this has been, that there's a player that like feels like pretty live to just be like you had to have him. Kyron would maybe be another guy. Um, but yeah, one of those two ramps, maybe both. Like they could against they the could commanders. Just, like, yeah, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, to get you to get you through, like you might kind of like need a ram, you know, one of these late round rams to have like a, a strong chance of advancing. Obviously, people will, will advance uh without them, even if they're the quote guy you need. But the thing is, like the you know, there's such good actual real life players that like they could pretty easily be the guy you need in week 17. So like I've never sweated that hard the Adam Thielen thing. It was kind of like, like sorry, you know, sorry everyone. Like you don't I have any bad. Adam Thielen. My bad. I didn't feel bad about my own teams. I felt bad that other people were feeling the stress because they made me too. Me. Yeah, because I because like I pushed people off Adam Thielen, but Puka's the guy who's just been like I've been terrified of. I mean, to be able to get that in the in the late rounds, um, the very last rounds, you know, and have him hit the ground running, but then you know. As a rookie, like he's, it's it's funny, like he's still following the traditional rookie trajectory. It's just like, it's just so juiced compared to what we normally are used to. Like he's he's getting better. Like he's mm-hmm. now it seems like maybe he could be, you know, uh, I know like Cup had the touchdown last week, but like man, the profile looks amazing for Puka right now. And there was that early season period when Cup came back. Where like it was like okay he's the clear number two to cup and like I don't really feel that way they're kind of like no. co number ones agree and that's I think that's your like late season boost effect that's happening Puka's still benefiting from that so like your hits at the rookies are magnified and we're always going to be price conscious and and my guess is that a lot of these rookies do get priced up a bit more and you will land on landmines with your Cedric Tillmans and stuff but um, there's I think a lot. And I don't know, maybe it's an NFL thing where like teams know their rookies can contribute sooner. So they're like seeing what they have in guys sooner. But um, I just, I just was not high enough on rookies. And I feel like I was really high on rookies. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, just a, a thought I've had on, I have lots of uh, generally terrible, but uh, I, I think about football a lot, even though we talk about, you know, best ball and the fantasy side of it uh, uh, for a living. I think about all the silly, uh, uh, little nuances of of the NFL. I feel like the point on rookies, and I, I've thought about it more with uh, rookie tight ends, uh, necessarily oh, maybe yeah. more I mean, than than, than um, the rookie wide receivers. But it's kind of the same same concept that you can apply to to uh, multiple guys, multiple positions. But like the game of football, it's like you remember back in the day, uh, like John Gruden would be on, you know, football life or whatever, some stupid ESPN show. And they would like, like be proud of the fact that you had to say like 47 words to call a play, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And like, so like I went to a small division three school, but we ran, uh, you know, spread kind of air raid ish, but a very, very vertical offense. Our plays were like two words, literally Uh, formation play. It was play concepts, uh, and that's kind of what the air raid is, uh, concepts as opposed to like – you don't have to 
plays back in the Gruden days, you had to tell the offensive line, sometimes right. multiple different offensive linemen what to do. You had to tell each position had a had a you know a, a word or multiple words that told them what to do. You had checks in there, you had motions in there, you had shifts in there, you had all that kind of stuff. Now, like I bet you if you listen to a Mike McDaniel call, I don't know this for sure, so I could be totally wrong, but is like you know, that they have motions and shifts. Of course, you watch them. I mean, Jesus Christ, looks like a circus out there, the way the Dolphins move around, which is awesome. But they have a couple of different, they don't run that many different plays. The Dolphins don't. Um, and so they have a play concept. You just run it out of different formations with different shifts, but you have concepts, right? Everybody knows what it, uh, a handful of different concepts are. And these kids run them in college. They run them in high school. And so you come out there and like, dude, do you know how to run mesh? Like, yes, I ran it since I was in seventh grade. You know what I mean? Like everybody knows how to do that. You know how to read the defense. You know how to do all that stuff. There's, it's more difficult at the NFL level, obviously. But I, I feel like the game has changed a little bit. And this isn't, of course, you know, an in hand in the dirt NFL uh, podcast or anything, but those little things do matter. Like why are, why are all the rookie tight ends smashing this year? Of course, it's because they're good. But that rookie tight end narrative had to do with how hard it was to come into the NFL and play tight end because of how complex NFL offenses were and how you had to learn all these crazy blocking schemes. And you had to learn all, all these crazy – like it was hard for these guys to come in and learn. They had to learn how to be an offensive tackle and a wide receiver in really complex offenses. Now they barely have to learn how to block. Dalton Kincaid doesn't fucking block anybody. They barely have to learn how to block. And it's like, do you know how to run like – the most eight, you know, normal, normally used passing concepts that every football team on the planet uses. Yeah. And so, but does, why does that matter to us as best ball drafters, the whole rookie thing and young player thing, like you're, you're talking about, like they can come in and contribute right away because the game of football has changed a little bit. Yeah, I think, I think so. I also think this, this tight end class is just really awesome. Good. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and you also have kind of the the Trey McBride, you know, coming on, uh, and he was a he was a strong prospect last year. He was, I love Dulcich in that class, but I ultimately have Trey McBride just ahead of him in my dynasty stuff, just because of like the the prospect profile was a little stronger with his draft capital and everything. He's and looked so like, good, dude. He's, he's so good, so good. He looked like a huge bust, um, but yeah, then then all of a sudden, like he could not draw targets to save his life at the end of last year, but. <laughs> Um, week 17, he had a good week, he, uh, him and likely, right? I think, or likely might have been week 18, but McBride had one decent game his whole rookie season, and it was week, week 17. Yeah, yeah, that well, the right because he proved the uh Algier Ertz corollary yes. correct, but it was just the <laughs> wrong tight end. That's that such a funny little note from 2022. Oh, God, what a yeah. stupid game! I know, but <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think. The, the rookie tight end one. Um, now, I don't know. I know we've got an elite tight end in this class. I don't know that much about the rest of the tight end class. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that was clearly one of the edges this year. I think one that I was on, fortunately. I, mean, I have a bunch of Laporta. I have mm -hmm. a bunch of Mayer, which looked mm -hmm. bad. And then it looked fine. And now it looks kind of good. Pretty so, good last night. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy with that. Um, and I think maybe, you know, these rookie tight ends are another way to to just underline the point of like these guys are more likely to play at the very end of the season. We hadn't seen as much of a, of like a production increase. I remember Sam Sherman and I were were talking about this 
because he was more Musgrave than Mayer, and I was Mayer over Musgrave, which looks strongly towards his side. And I would say probably you'd rather go back and take Musgrave over Mayer, I think, without – although Mayer looks pretty good. I think Mayer's better. I, I think Mayer's yeah. better, but just – I want to actually ask ask you about that because there's a, a smidge of of nuance in there. Sometimes we get very specific situations like the Packers. Hey, I think Mayor, if you're in Dynasty, like go subscribe to Pat. He'll he'll guide you in the Dynasty space more than I will. But like I would be buying every possible Michael Mayer stock that I yeah. could buy in 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 Dynasty. I would. He's he, I think he's just very good, but and not as expensive as Laporta and and Co. Um, but with Musgrave, part of my concern was a. I don't think he was as good of a prospect as as the the mayors and, and and everything. But uh, like to our point, like I didn't think Mingo was a good prospect. But we discussed all that nuance. Something that is hard for me to wrap my head around is when it's so the Packers took Luke Musgrave in the second round and Tucker Craft in the third round. I kind of liked Tucker Craft more <laughs> than I, I kind of did Mus- too. Yeah. Than Luke Musgrave. I didn't before the I, draft. I did once the draft capital came in, I liked Musgrave better, but I didn't. And, wasn't yeah. That, and yeah. so I took more Musgrave. I didn't really take Craft at all once the results came in. Right. And then especially we got information that he was the starter in camp and preseason and everything. But I, I it didn't, I didn't feel, I never felt comfortable. And part of it, I always thought was because I didn't love Luke Musgrave as a, as a college player, but also I think it was in the back of my mind, like they, but they also took this third round guy who what's the, like, is there even a different, I liked craft better, but even if I'm wrong about that, the difference was so minuscule that it's hard to hone in on him as, you know, compare that to Michael Mayer, who's competing with Austin Hooper. Right. Or Sam Laporta, who's competing with Brock Wright or, or whatever. Like, it's, it's just it's hard to get to as, as much Musgrave. And it wasn't really that much to do with Musgrave, but it was to do with this weird nuance of his teammate. Yeah. And Musgrave is one that I do feel like I missed on. Like, I was probably overly cautious with Musgrave because it got we got the information. And that's like, you know, fading this type of scenario can really hurt. I mean, it's similar to the Puka scenario where it's like we got the information that they like him. Yep. You know, you know, maybe didn't love him as a prospect, but he's going to be playing. He clearly was the starter. He was clearly ahead of Kraft. I don't think Kraft ever would have passed him. He gets hurt. So I was too cautious on Musgrave. I definitely should have had more of him. Um, I know Hayden Winks was was talking him up, mm-hmm. I think, in like June. Like he was like really pounding the table. That was like before I was like comfortable enough. And I'm okay with that. But I do think once I got comfortable, I should have been more aggressive. So that's that's where I feel kind of bad with the Musgrave thing. We did get, luckily, helps to draft co-managers. Um, Pete and Ben got me on Musgrave on a team over over Mayer in in FFPC, where you know Mayer was pretty useless in FFPC unless you picked yeah. him up in the last couple of weeks off waivers. So you know, I think I didn't play the Musgrave situation correctly, but I also don't mind betting on Michael Mayer to pass Austin Hooper by the end of the year. In fact, I want to do that again. You know, like I, so it's, it's more like I probably should have spread out those exposures a little bit more. I kind of hammered Mayer and was too light Musgrave, but yeah, Mayer's, I think a really, really good example of like, this dude was an, a college offense. Like he was, you know, like they, they ran a passing game through this guy. Multiple years. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I remember telling Sean, I was like, I mean, at this point, like this doesn't even sound hyperbolic, but I was like, what's the difference 
It's like if Mayer's athletic, what what's the difference between him and Kyle Pitts? His prospects. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Like he, he was super productive early to Claire, right? He he wasn't going to have the high end high end draft capital, but you know it was pretty clear he if if athletic he would have been like a mid first round pick. Unathletic, he was a early second round pick. <laughs> you know, I also think there's there's sort of a tight end athleticism narrative that's like completely lost the thread. Yes, we want these guys to be athletic, but. Zach Ertz, Mark Andrews, they're like have the almost identical RAS profiles to um, Michael Mayer. There's something to be said for being sufficiently athletic. We would prefer that the guys be hyper athletes like Laporta, but it's not required. Um, and then you're getting to bet on a guy to pass Austin Hooper. And it's like anytime that you can trade week one projection for for week, you know, 15, 16, 17 chance of, of you know clear runway you do it and it can be hard to do because it's like do i am i actually getting that but like second round draft capital you know and if this felt dead this felt dead by like week three or four it's like oh Stone shit, yeah. burned pick. i burned i burned so many late round tight end dart throws on this guy but it's like no like it just takes a while and this is how it happens you know the team it's a team like the raiders like some some things happen it gets a little weird they fire their coach check out some new guys they stomp on the chargers and finally this guy you know he gets in the end zone for you so i mean not that mayor's like this big like victory lap take but i do think he helps and again i probably took too much mayor not enough musgrave but i think he helps like just as a as a larger rookie thing of like this guy with draft capital solid prospect profile good actually more than solid very good prospect profile uh very minimal competition ahead of him. You know, you, you, we make these bets and it's like, if, if mayor advances a team this week that wouldn't have otherwise advanced worth it, that could, that could be a $3 million touchdown mm-hmm. that he scored week 15. Like yep. that touchdown is worth a lot more than, you know, a lot, a lot of the scoring in season because the, the odds that like any given week, of Adam Thielen actually advanced you is probably lower than the odds, you know, that if Michael Mayer advances you this week, you know, that that's a bigger boost. Most hundred percent. A hundred percent. It does um, uh, slightly con- contradict what we were talking about with the rookies versus second years, but Trey McBride, it's a very similar thing to me to Michael Mayer. One has Austin Hooper in front of him. One has Zach Ertz in, in front of him. Both right. are extremely, extremely good prospects Trey McBride obviously in his, his second season but was similar uh I actually had a, uh, a apparently a, a tweet from two two years ago on on Trey McBride that uh so for people that don't know like you mentioned Michael Mayer was just he was a college offense so was Trey McBride he just happened to do it at Colorado State versus Notre right. Dame so it doesn't get quite same level of, of kind of hype but they they threw for like 2300 yards or, or so Colorado State did Trey McBride's last year. He had 1,100 of them. He's a fucking tight end, and he had 50 percent of their ba- of their passing offense. He might have 50 percent uh, of their passing yards this week. I mean, the, yeah, yes, <laughs> correct. Uh, he's yeah, he's, he actually did do that. I think once uh, with the uh, uh, Cardinals so far. But yeah, just like absolute dominant. Say whatever you want about uh, PFF grades and all that, if, if if you care. But if you look at PFF grades, he had the same receiving grade as Cal Pitts did um in in college so he was like he did, obviously is not the athlete that Cal Pitts is although he's 
he's a pretty good he's a pretty good athlete Dre McBride is he reminds me of a little bit of the young Travis Kelsey not quite as much shiftiness but he he has some juice in the open field um they've thrown him some jump balls occasionally and like they get him the ball on the run I don't know I'm a little bit probably too much of a bull on Trey McBride but he's another guy like similar to Mayer that he's really good yeah, I think they're really, really good. And just like all these tight ends are such different makers, difference makers. The the rookies in particular are like guys that I really, really want. Like when I scroll my teams, like if I have a Laporta McBride team, I'm like, <laughs> you know, I yes. I gotta I gotta I gotta I gotta go take a cold shower or something, you know, if I got those guys on a on a team because it's like that, but that's so powerful at this point in in, in time, right? Even Mayer, as you said, getting a uh, a touchdown double digit fantasy points like from a last round pick at tight end, like it's, there's a good chance no tight end separates. And so if I just get the the score close enough to what everybody else has with my last round pick and uh, yeah, just give me, give me that on every single team. I, I'll, I'll take it. I want to talk about um, uh, one thing that uh, I've asked a bunch of the folks in our discord. I asked Rob the other night um, that I think is really interesting at this this time of year. It's easy to pinpoint the guys we're most excited about heading into um, the the best ball playoffs because it's the guys who have smashed, right? It's all the guys who, like for me, I'm just sweating out Kyron. <laughs> Kyron and Howell, yep. like lead me to the promised land. That's what I keep saying. That's my Super Bowl. Uh, like no one else is going to have that on, you know, the big screen <laughs> in their homes. Like they might. Me, I mean, it's a fun DFS game, dude. Me, Sam Howell's parents, and Kyron's parents are going to be the ones watching that game, you know. And nobody else gives a shit except me because that's 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 it for me. That game will make or break uh, my week. But like everybody's like, yeah, I mean, people have been playing Sam Howell and TFS, and obviously Kyron is Kyron's almost eight K on DraftKings. I think people know that he's pretty good in fantasy now. Is there anybody that you drafted? It, it could have been Mayor last night, but that you drafted or or I guess technically didn't draft, but maybe you have on teams that you're looking at and you're like, they haven't been awesome. They have, you know, they were certainly not the reason I got here to the, to the best ball playoffs. But when I scroll and I see them, I'm like, okay, like I'll go to, I'll go to war with you. Right. You mentioned Mingo before where it's just like, Am I projecting Mingo for a big game? No, Mingo, by the way, was DFS chalk a couple of weeks ago. So I like to use right. the DFS stuff to be like, okay, there's something going on here that we should be excited about if people are playing them in DFS. But is there anybody that kind of stands out to you from that lens? Uh, not, no one's jumping to mind of like, yeah. Like Non-chalk, right? The, 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 the tournament play in DFS mindset not the not the stone chalk but some i mean i don't hate that i have a bunch of marvin mims still you know the guys he's out there running the lions now against the the the, the lions are handing out points like candy on defense in the dome yeah so i mean that's that doesn't bother me um that's gonna be your taekwon isn't it you're gonna get like four teams to the finals despite an average advantage because marvin mims is gonna have a, a some big game how sick would it be if uh if Davis Mills powers Robert Woods and the, and the take actually pays off. <laughs> Not sick. Not sick at all. <laughs> no, please. No, we're going to shut this. Hey, legendary down. sickos, baby. <laughs> Robert Woods. One time. He's got to be. A, he, the fa- he's one of the faces of the show. If you made a, if you made a thumbnail of players from the summer that we talked about, Robert Woods is way too high on the list. By the way, figure out what, what my Robert Woods take is uh, next year. Like, and then just 
but draft every single other wide receiver. Other serious other you found, that guy. You you found all of the league winners, and it was just the teammates of the guy that you liked. I mean, I did the first. I think it was the first article that I wrote for Legendary Upside was about Nico Collins. So we're 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 getting. Oh, I, I'm claiming Nico a little. Uh, I I wasn't out on Dell, but yeah, obviously could have hammered the other guys quite a bit more. Although, hey, like I said, these weeks matter more than the other weeks. <laughs> literally goes against everything we just talked about for i know over and he wasn't over. a good pick at all it's a terrible pick but hey man if he gets me there i'll take it <laughs> oh shit <laughs> that is good um all right i'm gonna throw out we'll see uh, i'll see if it'll spur some uh some thoughts this is a little bit cheating because it's injury I, I don't i don't want to do it all because of of injuries um but uh, I put out a tweet from from Spike Week. If you recall, last year in Week 15, just a crazy freaking week, man. In Week 15 last year, where it was like all late rounders that propelled people to into into Week 16. The wide receiver one was Zay Jones in Week 15, and the the wide receiver two was KJ Osborne in in Week 15. Oh, right. The running back one overall in Week 15 of last year is actually a guy who I like again this week. Jarek McKinnon. Um, and it's a couple of different things. Obviously, Isaiah Pacheco just got ruled out today. So that's like driving most of it. But if anybody watched the Chiefs game last week, the CEH experiment was predictably an absolute disaster. He is horrible. Every time they gave him a touch, it was like a massively negative play for the Chiefs. And they are now down in the shit. Like they got to win some football games. They are like people uh, like with Tyreek. I'm still somewhat bullish that Tyreek plays because I, th- I don't think people understand that the Dolphins are in like a little bit sketchy territory, not necessarily to make the playoffs, the Chiefs or the Dolphins, but like things could get ugly here. Like they could we're talking about like definitely road games in the playoffs. Who knows what happens? Both of those teams could be the ones letting the Bills in. I don't think either of them want the Bills to be in the playoffs and they might be the ones letting them in. The Dolphins might be letting the Bills win the division if the Bills beat the Cowboys. But I, long story short, being the Chiefs, I think it's 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 time it's go time. Like it, it, we can't be messing around anymore. And last year, and historically, when it was go time, they went to Jarek McKinnon, and they've saved him all year. You might as well unleash him. And I just feel one of those, you know three touchdown Jarek McKinnon games that we just did not see coming. He was completely useless all season. And if you were able to sneak him through, I know it's the Patriots and maybe they won't push back that much. So it, it doesn't count. But like if Pacheco were to miss again next week, I I would feel the same way that I think the chiefs it's, it's go time. They need to win. Let's put it on Mahomes. And if you're going to put it on Mahomes, I think that means more McKinnon than it means CEH. So like if I have him on a team, I'm, I'm not too upset about it. I like that one. I'll, I'll, uh, you know, the Robert Woods ones is, uh, you know, 99.9% a joke, but, um, the, I'll, I'll pump my bags, my, my good part of my bags. And cause I think the three guys, none of these guys like powered you there, but I think I'm happy to see, I actually am happy to see JSN when I flip over, mm-hmm. you know, he's looked a lot better the last couple of weeks. He's in a really, uh, good spot this week. You know, the, with Gino back, we should be. We're getting Gino back, right? Yeah, he practiced. Yeah, yesterday. Okay. <clears throat> so, yeah, I think that's pretty sweet. Um, 
and you know he could definitely be one of these guys who has has, has a big spike week and it's like this is why we drafted him so i also feel you know like the thesis of the play basically with is kind of this idea that he would matter more now than he did before and he does and i was able to advance him so i'm kind of i'm kind of psyched to see him uh, even though he hasn't been great so far um i'm psyched that i have Reese teams the dude's getting like 20 percent of targets now uh <laughs> not always his carries are coming down but they're feeding him even more targets uh and so i'm because they can't run block for shit he gets hit in the backfield every play i know it's awful but um and then Jalen Warren, just to finish, uh, just pumping the highest guys that I drafted all, all summer. I mean, I'm, I'm psyched to still have Jalen Warren. It's ne- it hasn't quite hit yet, but the guy is like immensely talented. He's number one. Um, a chain's actually number one if you, if you basically just like put empty carries on A chain because he doesn't meet the the minimum on NFL Next Gen's stats anymore. But if you just like calculate but, it yourself, he is like yeah, number one by miles now. Even if you yeah, even if you gave him a bunch of useless carries, he's still that's, yeah. that's he's how good still, open. But yeah, so but Warren's Warren's basically he'll show up in the list as number one, but he's really number two. Um in rush yards over expected per attempt. I mean he's been like one of the most efficient runners in the entire NFL. Um he's an awesome receiver. And so bet on talent bet on uh, the Colts letting up points on the ground, which they have. So I'm uh, I'm still psyched to see those guys. Like those are all kind of like later season bets and they kind of two of them overperformed expectations a little bit. Jack Smith and Jibgo underperformed expectations, but this is like, this is the point of having them. So I, I'm happy that, you know, those there were, you know, three of the biggest pieces of my portfolio and I feel good about having them as, as you know, big pieces of my advancing portfolio too. I I <clears throat> totally agree on all those. I'm going to throw out uh, just a couple more. I don't have to elaborate quite as much as uh, as McKinnon. This is definitely uh, the big pieces of my portfolio. But I'm excited about for this week in per- in particular, all the commanders. Um, yeah, that they've been they've been the. B Rob has been the best skill player to have drafted all season. And frankly, at uh, Curtis Samuel, 50 50 between B Rob and Curtis Samuel have been the best skill guys. I think B Rob was, was a little bit better. Yeah. Um, def- definitely was a little bit better, but like I, I got some Curtis Samuel teams that, you know, he certainly helped. He certainly helped me. Yeah. Uh, no, he's been get, good. Get to where I'm going. And obviously, but that was at the expense of Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. But, I know it's 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 cope. It's I, I'll fully admit it's it's slight copium because I have tons of, of those guys in particular Dotson, but I, I think we've seen the ceiling though that exists for some of those guys, and the volume is not going anywhere. <laughs> like they have no, no especially Brian Robinson is out this week. They have no ability to beat somebody by running the football. Now they don't really have an ability to beat <laughs> teams, no matter Here's no matter problem. what. Yeah, yeah, but the only way right the defense is so bad and they can't run. So they just have to put it all on Sam Howell's shoulders, and and they're willing to, and, and they're absolutely willing to. And I think that this week in particular, you're going to get something from someone. Is 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 my guess expectation? Do I have any idea if it's McLaurin or Dotson or Samuel or Gibson or Logan Thomas or Cole Turner? Please, 
post post by uh, uh, second year bump. Please, God, stop playing Logan Thomas. You're fucking four and eight. The season is over. Give it up with this dust ball, Logan Thomas, for my best. You don't player. even have to play Hal if you don't want to. Just let's see what we got in Brissette. Uh, okay. You know? okay. 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm not counting on any points from sam howell in 16 and 17 because he plays uh jets and uh and 49ers just let me have oh this god one, no, no you me, yeah. you're you've earned this one the howell one that was one of our biggest debates which you won handily um and i played it the worst way by actually taking mclaurin and dots <laughs> and not always stacking Howell because i was like oh if he gets benched i'm okay because i you know i, I don't have Howell and i've got the receivers and brissette's good so I'll be okay either way, but um, think, no, I won't because they suck and hell was the way to play it. Yeah, I, I think that that was pretty fluky. I, I don't, I, I don't. So I'm curious on your take on that one, actually, because we had obviously lots of conversations and we agreed on plenty of things, but we also disagreed on plenty of things. And like I said, sometimes one of us ended up right and the other on something else. But on the Howell thing, I actually don't think like your thought process was necessarily wrong and whether or not your process about, you know, Jacoby Brissett being there was right or wrong, not drafting Howell, but drafting him through those wide receivers, I actually think was totally fine. But do you have like a, have you like analyzed that and thought differently about the whole kind of way you got to your Howell take or, or um, just curious what, you know, we haven't talked, this is the first that we haven't talked about that since the summer. No, I, I don't have that much of a like ah man I really blew it not drafting Howell feeling and maybe it's just like you know I maybe I just haven't fully come around to him overperforming expectations but the thing is like he kind of hasn't overperformed expectations that much like he's he's not good you know he's he's not bad but he's not good and I think he's he's one of these guys who's going to stick around probably they'll probably bring him back as a starter next year but mm-hmm. he's gonna wash out and we're gonna like forget that he ever existed like he's kind of like at that like kind of middling i mean like in the epa per game chart that i have in in the walkthrough every week like he is like smack dab in the middle of he's he's right next to like gardner Minshew. you know it's kind of like the worst bad, version of baker mayfield that's not a bad comp yeah i i think he's in that ballpark of quarterback i think he has a smidge more upside than a gardner Minshew, but like baker too. did too so i think like yeah a, uh, 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 he could have a very similar career trajectory to to Baker, where he's constantly going to stick around. If he lands in the right spot, I think he could stick at that spot. But he's not, you know, he's not Mahomes, you know, Hurts, whatever. I think he's in that Minshew Baker category. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I do too. And then, and you're always going to have job security issues with those guys. And I'm just like, I don't want to. Now, this was a this was a year where having Howell was actually very powerful. And so this was kind of like, you know, I feel like this was kind of an amazing run out for Howell. Um, and I definitely, what I would say I underestimated was how much Eric the would pass, which was somewhat predictable. So that one, I'm like, ah, I should have t- probably just drafted a little more Howell because, you know, he's like Ritter, you know, he's probably like, he's probably better than Ritter and they're going to pass a lot more. So mm-hmm. right there, you just, you know, if you're open to taking Ritter at all, which I wasn't that open to, but I would kind of mix in. You know, I was like taking some Mac Jones, who actually did get benched, which is the hilarious part. <laughs> um, so, like, you're taking Mac Jones, who's, like, definitely going to get benched for Zappy. So just take some more Howell. So I should have done that. Um, so I, I definitely think, like, 
I would should have been more open to taking Howell in comparison to some of these other quarterbacks. Because like the funny thing is, Rivera did survive the year, and I was like, they're firing Rivera. They're firing. I can't believe. Yeah, I can't believe that. Yeah. So that's that situation. It's kind of the enemy of it all. I think is what I probably missed the most. It's like this dude's gonna chuck it. He's a he's a good coach. Like he's like the, the team will actually be like somewhat successful. Um, or at least that this outcome is is plausible, and so mix in a little bit more Howell. Now I did I did actually advance a Howell BBM team, so maybe I take this whole thing down with Howell and see you and, in the uh, finals, like, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, but yeah, I think that part of it, the enemy part, and like the Howell being okay might be enough because of enemy Um, part of it I, I underestimated. I think I do also think that like there are seasons where like this outcome for Howell doesn't really move the needle for anyone. For sure. There are seasons where Kirk Cousins stays healthy and Aaron Rodgers stays healthy Richardson. and Richardson stays healthy and CJ Stroud isn't out with a concussion this week. You know, like there's, <laughs> yeah. you know, like having Howell is going to mean a lot to a lot of teams. Um, and that's also like kind of fluky, but yeah, Howell's definitely missed for me. I, in general, want to still remain conscious of like bench risk at quarterback, and I think I'm probably that's probably going to be an edge for me compared to the field who will mm-hmm. who will play it a little bit too similarly to season long, and so I don't want to lose sight of that. But I definitely discounted Howell more than I discounted like Mac Jones, and uh, you know serves me right because Mac Jones got benched. I do. I, we're we're going to need to make a poster and put that on the wall or something like that. I drafted Mac Jones and thought Sam Howell would get benched, but um, <laughs> I, I, uh, it is it is justice. I got so many things wrong. Sam Howell's going to get benched. You got to take the safe guy, Mac Jones. <laughs> Come take Mac Jones. <laughs> Someone called me so, out in one of the comments one time, and they were right. Did they're they like, really? That's a that. Yeah, they were like, "Why do you a, think Mac Jones is going to get benched? He's going to get benched. Too. Like he's probably more likely to get benched." So I was well, like, the ah. funny thing about Mac Jones is he got benched and got his job back. Then he got benched and got his job back, and now it's now finally it was three strikes and and you're out for old Mac, right. for old Mac Jones. Right. He's the. I'm not saying we don't need to talk about. But how Patriots looked benchable at one point? Like I, there was. Were you sweating after that Bills game? A hundred percent. Howells. Howell's Valley, you know, the, 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 the ups are pretty good with Howell. Like it happens with young semi talents, like the Baker example is a, is a, is a good one. The good is pretty good for him. He has a strong arm. He can make a lot of throws. He makes some bad decisions. He hangs in there like too much, he, he, but he hangs too, in. He will. I like, can't believe dude. you want to talk about all the injuries. Like we talked about the Tua thing. The dude, it was on pace. They're not going to get there, but was on pace to break the all-time sack record that David Carr had. Uh, if you remember from the the Texans years, he was like they were on pace to shatter that in like week eight. And and he runs, and he also doesn't know how to fucking slide. The guy has taken more hits than anybody on the planet this season, and he has not gotten hurt. And all these other guys have gotten hurt. So. I mean, he got knocked out of one game and came back. And I, I, dude, sweating Howell games is one of the most intense sweats ever. <laughs> like, a they crater out on offense sometimes so bad that it's like disgusting to watch. Right, like the Bills game. 
they were so bad. They only th- only threw it 29 times in that game because I think they got like four first downs the whole game. Like could not move the ball. He got sacked like 12 times in the Bills game. And I wish that were an, ex- an exaggeration, but it was double digits. Um, but like the, the the lows are so low. And like you like you said, like early in the season, I'm like, oh no. Oh no, Pat's gonna be right. I'm gonna we're gonna have to cancel the show because I don't want to have to hear about, <laughs> about Jacoby Brissett. And Pat was and Pat was right. But uh, but the highs are are pretty good, actually. Like he's a good runner. He's a he's a good runner. Like you said, he's tough. He's got that, a good arm. Is, he's got a great arm. He can make a lot of throws. He I think he's an okay decision maker. Kind of like the Minshew Baker thing. Sometimes they make some really good decisions, sometimes they make some really bad decisions. So that makes you kind of uh, okay. I'm I'm hopeful for him long term, like not as a franchise quarterback, but I I think he's shown enough that like I mean Jesus, look at some of the quarterbacks we're watching, Tommy DeVito, right. and and he's uh, fun too. Like it, it is nice. I think he's, I think the league's better for for him being in it right now. Agreed. I also, dude, could you imagine him like he would have in like in like a late '90s, early 2000s Mike Martz offense, where you just have him dropping back seven step drops. Just like chucking it deep, getting crushed by like <laughs> the biggest defenders of the giant shoulder pads, just like getting taken to the turf, like looking up, seeing how it's like complete. Like he would have been, we would have loved this guy. You are literally defining my Rams fandom when I was uh, younger. As uh, as everybody can probably see, there's nothing but St. Louis shit uh, behind. Well, and Michael Jordan, but St. Louis shit uh, behind me. I was as big of a St. Louis Rams fan as you probably could ever get. I was, I believe maybe like sophomore year of high school, something like that. One of my buddies and I, we went to like every day of Rams training camp. We would go, um, we started a freaking blog writing about the Rams. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like I was that cheesy lame dude, but like we were upset. Called? Like it was at ramscentral.com. Uh, no longer, <laughs> obviously, it no longer it no longer exists. Um, but there might be. I'm, I'm sure people can go find some traces. Is anyone camping on, on it on the internet? <laughs> it's not in my GoDaddy. No, just anymore. can't be reached. No one, no yeah. one's claimed it. No longer, no longer in my GoDaddy account. There's a lot of useless URLs in there. But anyway, I was <laughs> I was diehard, like absolutely die. Like, but it was because of the greatest show on turf days, like you mentioned, Mike Mart's offense, like just made me love football <clears throat> and all I'm envisioning is the post Kurt Warner era of the Mike Martz, ta- yes. the Mark Bolger era. Yes. Mark of, Bolger. Of, yeah. 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 Of my, of Mike Martz. And that's exactly what happened. Seven step drop. You don't leave anybody ever into pass protect, which is kind right. of what the commanders kind of what the commanders do. Wait, wait for this week. Watch how many times Antonio Gibson goes out and oh, gets crushed in the backfield. Uh, but yeah, Bolger ends up after the play laying on his back, his, you know, his eyes are, eyes are like this. And, uh, yeah, that, but that's, that's the Howell experience. It feels very much like that, uh, lack of pass protection from the Mike Martz days. Yeah. I mean, he, this guy could be like, I mean, I sort of like in the tough guy quarterback mold is, is, is kind of what I'm, I'm getting at too, which yeah, he's playing, he's playing in the wrong era. You know, he, really is. he would have a zero percent bench risk if this was uh, if he was <laughs> yeah. getting to be the Mark Bulger. <laughs> like no one can, no one hangs in the pocket like Sam Howell. It's like, yeah, that's the problem. The problem, get the ball the out or run, sense. you psychopath. <laughs> yeah, get the ball out. <laughs> um, anyway, 
but I but I root, yeah. I'm rooting for the same how I've got I've got my one share. We can all uh, we can all celebrate together. We can all come by. Finishes yeah. uh, finishes dunking <laughs> on me this week. Yeah, no nobody contact me during that game. It starts at uh, four oh five Eastern. I will not be reachable during Rams Commanders. I will not be sitting down, and I will not have my phone. I will just be enjoying <laughs> um, my Super Bowl. Uh, I know Pat's got some stuff to do this this afternoon. My dogs are getting antsy. I want to leave the people with some hot takes for the best ball playoffs. If you had to you know, prognosticate about how this thing plays out, we're, of course, going to be wrong about all of this. I certainly would not have pro- projected the game last night <laughs> to play out and talk about a kickoff to the best ball playoffs that was very unforeseen with the Raiders laying the smackdown on the Chargers. But, like... What are some of the things, you know, one, two, three different things that you're you're thinking like you're looking ahead and you're like, I could really see this. You know, it doesn't have to be like, oh, we get to week 17. And I think this guy's going to you know, have the big game in week 17. But like what's going to like shake up, you know, the the best ball playoffs What's going to be that thing that uh, comes through and helps people either get there or win the whole thing, whatever. I'll go ahead and I'll say I'm just looking up exactly which week this is going to happen in. I'm going to say that you have to have, in order to win Best Ball Mania 3, you have to have George Kittle. Oh, you are. Uh, and that's good. I'm, I'm very, very excited to, to hear you say that. Uh, I'd like to hear wh- why, why do you think that is? Because they get the commanders in week 17 and Kittle goes nuts. And we've talked about, the um we've talked about tight end and how you know tight ends quite a bit deeper there were a number of ways to get there tight end i'm i'm a big proponent of elite tight end um which hasn't really you know you'd rather have not gone elite tight end and gotten some of these guys late and the nice thing about these late round guys is actually they do have ceiling like trey mcbride and sam laporta like they have legitimate ceilings so it's not the the run out for elite tight end that we wanted but George Kittle is having an awesome year. Uh, we've got you know Brock Purdy in the MVP discussion, so the the 49ers maybe maybe putting on the Commanders absolutely atrocious secondary, total <laughs> lack of a pass rush, and uh, Kittle Kittle leading the way so that it fits my narrative. Um, if he, I mean the if if Kittle, this still remains true. I think if Kittle has one of his Kittle games in the in the fantasy playoffs. Uh, you know, in best ball manias playoffs, like you're going to really, really, really want it. And I think if it happens week 17, like you'll just straight up have to have it. I think, I think that makes a ton of sense. And I have Kittles. Uh, I really don't have, I mean, I have a bunch of Mark Andrews, but in terms of alive elite, elite tight ends, Kittle is the one I have the most exposure to a um, little bit of him being awesome. A little bit of San Francisco being awesome. And a little bit of uh, uh, that, rest of the tight ends not being very good at the elite level but man 49ers just feel like i'm not saying it's similar to like uh, what you said before that like the rams could be the guy that like you know you have to have which doesn't actually mean that you can't advance without them but it means that you have a huge leg up on everybody if you have those guys i feel that way just about san francisco in general like when i look to mm-hmm. teams i don't I don't necessarily care if it's McCaffrey or Kittle or Debo or Ayuk or Purdy or whatever, but like if I got any of those dudes on there, like I, you just like it gives you the warm and fuzzies, right? To have any 49er on there because 
no ma- like just no matter what happens it Kyle Shanahan doesn't let off the gas like yep. it, it like everything is just set up so nice it's so consolidated they can all get there in the same game like not not like big ceilings but like this team can hang 40 any week and all those guys have like at least usable scores so like the 49ers are easily one of the teams i'm most excited for a little bit of uh one of my you know big stands from the year but who i'm really excited for because of some of the stuff we outlined before because i think they're a really good offense and because <clears throat> advance rates on like all these guys are not that crazy actually is the baltimore ravens um lamar jackson is one of the elite quarterbacks that really hasn't like done that much like he's been okay and uh he had a good week last week against the rams uh which is why Howell's gonna you know hang 40 on him but it it, it hasn't been awesome for lamar this year he's been okay but just ne- you, you always have you're always left like wanting more from yeah. even when lamar has his good games but i don't think that that is like indicative of what the upside is is for him isaiah likely i think is you know not as good as mark andrews but if you have isaiah likely on teams like add him to that tight end mix of guys you want to have on teams. You know, he's certainly not going to be super, super high owned. I don't think he's the same as like last year, but I I don't care. Actually, I being out there and running almost every route with one 91% route participation last week. Yeah, I'll take it, man. I don't care. I don't care if he's, you know, doesn't have the same target share as, as last year. I don't, I don't care if it's Zay, even Bateman, even Bateman on teams. I'm, I'm not, I don't think Bateman's going to like win it for me, but dude, all it takes is one. And that passing offense is really good. Like it's, it's really good. I don't think they can lean on that run game. Even Keaton is, is fun, but Keaton's like, fun. They, but they can't like lean on Gus to go win them games. Um, and they get the Jags this week. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, and probably have some even data offhand that Jags defense has collapsed. It, it probably wasn't very good anyway to begin with. It was probably just a, a little bit of flukiness for the first like month or six weeks or whatever. I think I saw something uh, first half of the season. The Jags defense was something like seventh in EPA allowed per play, and they're like twenty eighth ever ever since. Yeah. Uh, it's somewhere. It, uh, don't quote me on that. They've been a, they've been a big pass funnel. That's one of the ones where it's funny. I got like pushback, or there's like a anti pass funnel narrative. Uh, just, but I feel like pass funnel stuff has been extremely useful this year um and the run funnel stuff because i think it's especially if you're looking at things like teams our team shifting to the pass against these teams do they have a negative pass rate of expected are they is their pass rate of expected like shifting up or down in a meaningful way on against these teams and the jaguars have been like a pass funnel in those types of metrics all season um even when i was like a little bit skeptical of their run defense and I thought their pass defense was better than, than it, than it actually was, um, you know, like eight weeks ago or something. They, the pass funnel data was telling us teams, teams think you attack the Jaguars through the air. So yeah, there, that's a, that's an interesting matchup for the Ravens. They, um, they've kind of needed teams to push them. And I don't know that Trevor Lawrence is, is necessarily up to it, but, they were aggressive last week against the rate or against the Browns. So I think they'll, I think they'll pass. So that one's, I like that one. I mean, and the Ravens, the Ravens are good. They like they haven't had the fantasy results, but the Ravens, I mean, they're like the favorite for the one seed. It's not breaking news, but that's, they're kind of a sleeping giant potentially for fantasy. That's exactly it. It feels like that sleeping giant that has been like fine all year, 
but just has never really exploded. No, I mean, Zay's been very good, but no one has like set the world on fire to where, you know, they're crazy popular in the best ball playoffs. And like, even if they have a big game this week, they're not that popular. They're not so popular that they'll be, you know, crazy hot, right? This isn't two years ago, Cooper cup and Mark Andrews type of a situation. And so I think they have a big game this week against Jacksonville. Then they get San Fran next week, who is not like a dream matchup, but if you're going to attack San Fran, I'm going to sure as hell going to do it through the air, which is again, Mark Andrews and all those pass catchers feels good. And then you get Miami in week 17, who is also another fine defense, but I'll take my chances against their defense. I mean, Will Levis just absolutely carved, carved them up. Uh, Xavier Howard is a shell of himself. Jalen Ramsey can't do everything. Uh, I, I, I'll take the shootout in that one. Uh, the, the Ravens just feel like, you know, we're close to, we made this bet on them as a collective over the course of the whole season. And it was like kind of right, but hasn't really hit in a big way. And it's just like set to explode over the best ball playoffs. They, I just feel really, really strong about like Lamar stacks or, or really any Ravens exposure. So let me let me build on that one. I'll, I'll give the the people one more before we get out of here. I'll say another guy that you that you have to have in week seventeen is Devon Achan. He comes Ooh. back from this this toe injury, and we get the Ravens and the Dolphins. Right, this is going to have major playoff implications. Mm-hmm. There's no messing around here from Mike McDaniel. You know, he's he's getting his best guys out there. This is going to be a big game. Uh, Achan, the reason you have to have him is because he misses this week and next week. Oh, and so, wow! So he doesn't help you get there. So it's it's teams that drafted Mostert and Achan. It's teams that you know are able to sneak in without. You know, with just A-Chan that don't have Mostert. So you're going to get, we're talking Devon A-Chan, mega leverage spike week against the Ravens, week 17 correlation because you want the, the finally we get, you know, the, the Ravens being pushed. So Lamar Jackson blows up just like Eric laid out. You're going to want that. The week 17 correlation play ends up being A-Chan bringbacks on, uh, on Lamar Jackson stacks. Now I'm gonna roster bait to close. Just like we 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 started with a, uh, we started with something. You that, immediately have a team. We started with something that the people love, and we're gonna finish with something that the people love. Hearing about a team that they don't have uh, that, somebody, <laughs> that somebody else has, but you just happened to outline one of the teams. I told you at the beginning I was looking for Antonio Gibson teams because Brian Robinson is out. I don't have I, any of these teams, by the way. So I just I I I, 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 I told you to roster baby. I told, I'm, I told you I'm excited. I told you I'm excited. I told you I'm excited for the Ravens. We got Sam Laporta. I told you I've been looking for any news that maybe Cole Turner's actually going to touch the field this week. Cole Turner on this team. But actually good wide receivers. Amon Ra, Jalen Waddle, DK Metcalf, our boy JSN, Gabe Davis, and Zay Flowers. So we, we somehow avoided Rashad Bateman. It's stacked with Lamar. Kenny Pickett, whatever, we'll ignore Kenny Pickett. But Antonio Gibson, A-Chan is uh, one of the, the Dolphins bringbacks. And we got my guy Kyron and our guy Chuba wow. down here. We got Tyje Algiers. How, so we you, got how Al- are you going to spend the money, dude? We got this, Al- team, this team is sick. 
when we when we when we win three milli with this team with both of our takes uh for for week 17 we'll celebrate i'll, I'll throw a pizza party Hell you guys yeah. can all you guys can all have some have some pizza but by the uh, way it was it was just funny note. it was just funny that you brought it up because i was like I'm, this is literally one of the teams i'm most excited about and it has everything that you just said or that just, team is filthy that is a that is that's an amazing team that's best ball mania right yeah, best ball mania. Wow. I don't, don't right. look at the rest of my teams. If you're in any of my pods that aren't that team, don't look at those because they're not very good. But I'm excited <laughs> about that one. That, that team, that seems like worth five teams. That seems <laughs> nasty. Um, the picket one, I just want to know. Uh, I so I did, I maxed the Mastiff. I got four of the seven in. Um, my worst, that's nice. My worst of the seven, you know, how like you can leave because they're slow. I did them slow. So, um, I would like name the team like a note to myself. Gretch uh, was the one who, who got me on this tip. Yep. And my worst scoring team is called Take Picket. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever change? Did you just leave it? No, I just left take, it. Yeah. I just left it just as like, Take Picket. Leave this trash as, as Take Picket. <laughs> <laughs> That's I should have named all my uh, Rashad Penny teams that like <laughs> this, is, this is fucking Rashad Penny. Just don't don't even look. Just just ignore it. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll we will be back at a future date to talk about all of the absolute misses, such as Rashad Penny uh, and and Kenny Pickett. But thank you, of course, for joining us. As always, I like to get to uh, the promotion at the very end of a two-hour episode. If you have not up until this point, you probably already have. But if you have not. Make sure you go subscribe to Legendary Upside on legendaryupside.com. If you are a Legendary Upside subscriber, you can use promo code LEGUP on Spike Week to get 40% off of our tool subscription. So with playoff best ball season upcoming, you have access to uh, our tool called the Draft Hacker. I can barely draft without it anymore. I think I actually... And obviously very biased, but I think it's a huge edge, especially in formats like playoff best ball to have a tool that can help. It's not telling you who to pick, but can just point out things that can help make better teams while you're drafting. Um, and you can get 40% off of that subscription. You also get access to draft IQ and all of our premium tools at spike week. If you are a legendary upside subscriber we will uh we'll, we'll maybe be back at some course or, or at some point over the uh the course of the rest of the season to talk some playoff best ball we considered it today but uh yeah wait wait way too many uh, we got to talk about robert woods and cole turner and stuff we can't get to playoff best ball uh, uh today but we'll be back at a future date pat do you have anything else before we hop out of here yeah no the playoff best ball stuff is um is we're, we're focusing on that too over at legendary upside um we'll be working on kind of a different style of tool. This would be like, uh, it's going to be like a shiny app that's on legendary upside that you can, um, it's essentially dynamic rankings. So using some of the things we know about playoff best ball, you know, we don't want to be drafting like five and six teams. We want to be drafting like teams that can actually all play each other in the third round to help get you to the Super Bowl. You want a live team for the Super Bowl, kind of like giving you a dynamic rankings list as you put in the picks you've made to help you make better picks. I also think that one of the reasons to sign up for spike week with promo code leg up is because you can have the draft hacker, which actually has access to the draft as you're, as you're actually drafting. And then you could have this, these dynamic rankings up, which are giving you some more player-based recommendations. So if you want to go like full minority report with you, you got everything, <laughs> get the gloves on 
and you're like, all right, Ravens Charlie, to the Super Bowl. Charlie from Always Sunny. You're over it. Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Smoking yeah. a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> That's I mean, I I I think I genuinely think it will give you a massive edge because this is a game where like we talk about the week 17 stuff, and it's like almost like a fun throwaway. We talk, you know, oh, this game, you know, the, the commanders 49ers will shoot out. Um Ravens uh Ravens Dolphins will shoot out you, you're gonna want that correlation but like it's a little bonus lever that we're pulling and with the playoff best ball it's not a bonus it is table stakes yep. and many 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 people are not pulling that lever they're not live to win Correct. and so getting like having a couple different ways of keeping you on the rails like this isn't like a, a small thing you're doing to like increase the EV of an already live team. This is how you build live teams is. And I think for me, like having tools that help me just like very quickly assess like where I am in the draft, where I am in a scenario based drafting game. I think it's just it's you can't you really can't like understate how important it is in my opinion. I totally agree. Obviously, we're both <clears throat> we're both biased. I'm certainly biased, but I think once Pat started telling me about what they what they were doing, I got uh, very excited. Of course, we uh, we were lucky enough to uh, help Pat. We developed our own <clears throat> simulations for the playoffs and playoff odds and all of that that are helping with some of the some of the rankings. And I I just like if it were me, and I were trying to draft how I wanted to like be the the perfect playoff best ball player. I would have what Pat is describing as what's coming out on legendaryupside.com. And I would have the draft hacker, like I would, like you said, I'd have multi screens and I would be drafting with both of those up and having them help me navigate through my drafts. You can do some of these things in your head, but you, the, the human brain is only capable of doing so much. And yeah. <laughs> Also, yeah, why? Like, uh, you know, you could sit, you could sit and like do other things. Like I said, sit back like Charlie and uh, smoke some cigarettes or whatever, and and enjoy yourself. But I, but in all seriousness, it, it the edge, like you said, is not in even this thing that we're talking about here with making sure that you have live teams. That's like table stakes. We're trying to give you something that can help, like really take it to the next level. Um, yeah. and, and I really, I really do think kind of the combination of these things is, is awesome. Um, I'm ex- so I'm excited to, to utilize it here, uh, for this particular playoff basketball season, we will be back, uh, to talk some more about it. Maybe we'll even get a hop in some draft, see if we can put it to use a little bit, yep. uh, for in, sure. in real time. I'm sure that won't be a shit show at all. Uh, <laughs> you know, try, 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 trying to stream, stream drafts with the draft hacker and, and your dynamic rankings. I can't imagine how that could ever go South, but uh, I am, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to, uh, to dive into it. I've done a handful of playoff best ball drafts and uh, it's been, I, I, I'm, in, I'm enjoying it. Uh, it's the other it's thing. God's, I, God's game. Go ahead. Well, the other thing I just want to say, like with the tools that we're talking about, like they're just, they're guiding you. And like, I can tell you from firsthand experience that the, it's still really, really fun because yes. it's not, you're getting, you're getting guidance on what makes sense given what you already did. But what makes sense is not Rashi Rice. It's, a, you know, a, a many different paths that you can still take, but there are paths that are basically closed. And so yeah. that is what the, the tools are going to be helping you with. Not, um, you know, just kind of 
when I take this guy, now I take this guy, now I take this guy. It's actually, to me, it, it makes it the whole experience way more fun because it's helping me uh, understand just like where I am. It's like a, it's like having a map. That I'm stealing that by the way, that it's, it's, it's telling you what options are closed. Um, Cause sometimes I struggle with defining our, our tools, especially like the draft hacker, because it, it, there's, we've added so many options that even I can't recite them all. You know, there's like, you can, <laughs> there's like a hundred different things you can show on your screen at, at any given time while you're, while you're drafting, not quite as many for playoff best ball, but still. And so <clears throat> trying to describe to a casual person or someone that's never used it before can be a little daunting. It, you know, it, it can, it can be a lot. It's a new thing and a new technology, but really that's exactly what it's doing. We're not telling you who to pick. We're not saying you have to pick this person, right? You right. took Tyreek in the first round. You have to do this in the second round. What it's doing is actually the opposite. As Pat said, it's, it's here's the roads that are closed. Mm -hmm. You can, you, you can take these other four paths. There's still four other roads open available to you. You pick, we don't give a shit. Like what, like we can have, no, it's going to yell at you either. You're just going to, it's yeah. just going to be like, all right, here's the next, here's might, now what's closed. Exactly. We might have uh, rankings that we would say we, we might pick, you know, in a vacuum, but also like, it's up to you. You're building a portfolio and all that. What we're trying to do is just tell you, right. That like, we're going to put the bumpers on <laughs> your bowling. We're going to put the bumpers on. We're going to make this just, we're, we're not going to be able to bowl a strike for you. And you can you can throw a curve, you can throw it straight, you can throw it off the yeah, bumper for all I care. Yeah, go go have fun, go drink a beer, and and you know go have fun bowling. But we're gonna put those bumpers on, and it, it just makes it like you said, it makes it so easy, and it also a lot of the times opens my eyes to things that I never. It lets you I think about the stuff that's more fun to think about because you're not like yes. having to calculate out. And yeah, you're so you guys built sims that actually calculate out like how likely is you know, San Francisco to play Detroit in the conference championship game, which mm -hmm. is what's powering some of the dynamic ranking stuff that we're doing. Cause we need to be able to, to, to know that, right. If you're, you're boosting How often people should up, you take the lions with the Niners. Like it's, the possible Niners, you, it's possible you should never do it because it's 1% or whatever for them to play, but also it could be 30%. And when you take Debo in the first round, you should be prioritizing Amon Ra and you, the human brain cannot possibly calculate right. all that right in real time. So we're helping you do that. How should you be taking the Packers with the 49ers? No, because the Packers are likely to be a six or seven seed. And so they're going to get in. And they the only way they would, you know, if they get in, they're gonna be six or seven, probably. And if they are the six, then they need the seven to upset the one <laughs> so that they don't go play the one. That's unlikely. So they're very likely to go play the one, which means they're gonna get knocked out before the conference championship game, or the 49ers are, and that's bad if you're drafting them together. So you're gonna <laughs> right. so so like that's the type of stuff where now do you like never want to do that i probably probably yeah you never want to do it but there's some <laughs> stuff where like maybe you want to mix in some and you know but so it's not again it's not like saying you have to do this but like i don't want to calculate who while i'm drafting like i don't want to be calculating out like oh wait what, they're the six does that mean so i draft the eagles or oh shit i missed my pick Exactly. <laughs> like i want to be i want to be thinking through like the fun player level stuff the teams that i'm building and so anyway the tools uh we did it at the end but i think we did a good job uh promoting the tools i think the tools genuinely make the game way more fun i i think so too that's the it's the kind of final cherry on top is that it, it's of course <clears throat> ultimately we want to enjoy this whole experience of course we want to make money but like 
if it's completely miserable to do it or the, the tools are making it worse on you, who cares? Uh, I, I really genuinely do. Like I enjoy pulling up the tools and, dra and drafting teams. I also learn things every single time. Like literally I did like 700 something drafts this summer uh, for best ball. Uh, I definitely did not do all of them using the draft hacker. I'm, I'm, I'm also an adult human being. I, you know, I, I can't sit at my desk and draft a thousand teams over the course of the summer, but every single time I did, I would find something and learn something. And then like, I felt like it grew my best ball game every single time, uh, to see different combinations and different, um, you know, things that would strategically make more sense on a given team that if I was just drafting on my phone, sitting upstairs, laying on the couch, I would never have seen, I would never have seen. And that's absolutely the case for playoff best ball. And it's probably even more powerful for, yeah, for playoff best I think ball. It is. So, um, the mistakes so are magnified. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah. Exactly. You you almost can't make a mistake in like a too big of a mistake. You can in regular salvage season best ball. You can't yeah, salvage yeah. a lot of the mistakes that you make no, in playoff best. You ball. screw up in playoff best ball, that team is done. It's over. It's done. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's why this stuff is so important. We will, of course, as I mentioned, uh be back at some point in in the near future. We'll see what kind of scheduling makes sense. We appreciate you guys and hopefully you enjoyed. Uh, I enjoyed. Uh, it was a, a fun conversation. I believe we said uh, go Ravens. Go George Kittle, uh, go JSN, and uh, go Sam Howell. I'm I'm on board. I'm on board. And let's, let's yeah, go. perfect, perfect outro. Go Sam Howell. <laughs> See you guys next time. Peace. <laughs>